welcome back to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court, and as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good. I just got bitten in the face by a mosquito, which uh, wasn't great. Could be worse. A lot of things worse could be bitten, but just about have enough hair to cover the bite. But you know, as the years go on, that line just creeps ever so slightly back. You can see where some hairs used to be or whatever. This is a terrible story, given that we're very short on time. But uh, that's where I'm scratching my forehead right now with a mosquito bite on my head. But apart from that, I'm okay. How yeah. are you? I'm not too bad. My uh, my barber visits are getting shorter and shorter and shorter <laughs> and shorter as it just begins to yeah uh, go away. Uh, we, this week we're joined by one of our favourite people, someone collecting his hat trick ball on the Pedestrian Podcast. Welcome back to the Pet Pod, Danny O'Neill. How are we, sir? I'm doing very well, Stu. I appreciate you guys inviting me back. I feel I feel honoured. I'm I'm concerned. Adam was the mosquito in. In your bedroom? Is it in your house? Was it a, a free range mosquito? Where did the bite occur? Yeah, I think it's a bit of uh, a renegade mosquito who has just chanced his arm and flown inside our living room. We had sort of all the doors open so the dog could run in and out and bark at any leaves that he wants to, that uh, are rustling in a mysterious way, uh, as is his want. And uh, this this cheeky chappy has just fancied himself and come into the, come in with reckless abandon, sort of like a, I guess like a free safety, just he's just seen the ball come out the quarterback's hand and bang, he's gone. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. Head on <laughs> you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Well, I, I think I think we'll soldier on. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting few weeks uh, in the land of Seattle sports. Obviously, the Mariners, uh, despite what happened about twenty minutes ago, are fully in a pennant race, a Jermaine pennant race. Uh, in uh, late August, uh, the Seahawks are playing games, apparently, preseason games are building up to another season with Geno still the quarterback. But um, we, we want to focus on someone with, with, uh, with you this week, Daddy's The Washington Huskies uh, manoeuvrings this uh, past... It, it, it's six weeks, probably, it's probably too short of a time frame, isn't it? But there's a lot going on down on my... Uh, uh, and the great was it the greatest setting in college football or whatever it is? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of our advertising blitz around that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when when my school does that, we're like the people who brag about their their yard. Do you guys have that in in England where somebody who takes diligent care of their yard loves to tell you about their lawn care maintenance? And I've always contended that. Like, hey, if if you're if lawn care makes you happy, you should be all about it. But I don't think that should compel me to listen to it. And I feel like when you're going on about how beautiful your stadium is, you're being the guy in the neighborhood who won't stop telling everybody about the latest type of fertilizer and mulch combination that he's using. There's a lot on Seattle Seahawk Twitter actually of like, look how nice my garden is. And yeah. I <laughs> shout out Jackson. Yeah, I mean Jackson Bevins yeah. loves loves a lawn pig. Now, look, obviously, look, I'm Jewish, so I don't do gardening. I wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't know where to start gardening and DIY are just not things that I'm able to do uh, due to genetics and history. So it's not a conversation I can even get involved in. But people seem to take this stuff really seriously. I feel Jackson is slightly self aware about it. Like Jackson, I, I find Jackson charming in his in his lawn care. Um, and maybe it's because he's he's like a young old man. Like I feel like he's just being unabashedly 
uh, enthusiastic about what is generally an older man's hobby. But yeah, I could I, I could definitely see that. But yeah, the University of Washington has followed in the traitorous footsteps of USC and UCLA and bolted to the Big Ten. Uh, a richer conference. It's the oldest conference in the country. But they're basically, they're getting a, a half share, a kid's meal version of the broadcast rights as college football has pretty much kind of completely reorganized itself to suit the tastes of the two primary broadcast networks now, which is Fox, which has the Big Ten, and ESPN, which has the SEC, and college football is moving to become NFL light. Mm. But it's like... There's a certain part which, come, for me anyway, will probably circle back to it, but like the fandom of everything in college football, because obviously there's, it's it's just different. It's it's not pro sports, so it's different on that level anyway. But like the whole fandom of it, just there's still an attachment there, even though if if it isn't, because obviously through being a long, being a local, or just whatever attachment you can find to to a college team in the Pacific Northwest, that kind of just feels like like if, if my, my team of my soccer team have moved out of the city twice in the last decade, and it was weird for different reasons. But it's it, that that kind of level of it, just like up in and leaving. And although they're not physically leaving, they're leaving behind the Apple Cup. They're leaving behind uh, whatever, like cow, like everything else. Like the, the storied century longs of like rivalries and like inside jokes and group chats and bets every year for. On group chats and like, it's just it's that's the part which is kind of like, ee, like why like this has it's just a bit uh, soulless and thin. I think if that's yeah, I think that's right. Um, the Pac-12, which has been the Pac-8 and been the Pac-10, and before that it was it it's it's gone through basically three different name changes in its hundred and seven years. It's it's a regional conference that has made a lot of sense and college sports have for very understandable reasons been divided along regional lines. And that has fundamentally shifted over the past 10 years. And to go to the big 10 means kind of becoming this geographic orphan in some way. So Oregon's going and then you'll have USC and UCLA, but Oregon state and Washington state aren't going Um, They're probably the big losers in this equation Cal and Stanford, I think it remains to be seen exactly what's going to happen with them. And then you had sort of the the newer Pac-12 schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State, who who head to the Big 12. For me, yeah, it feels I, I, I certainly would have preferred that Washington stay in what makes sense, which is a West Coast conference. And instead, they're they're now going to a Midwest conference that is culturally different where they're going to, they're going to be out of place. And I can see why Washington made the decision financially. And they're not the ones that triggered this sort of the, the dissolution like that's USC and UCLA, but the way it's, the way it's happened is I've watched the conference that I grew up watching. I'm a West coast. I was born in Oregon. I went to high school in California and I went to college in Washington. The conference is, even if if it survives a name, it's going to be a zombie conference. Like it's dead uh, compared to what it once was. And that's really, that's really too bad. 
we once had one soccer team move 60 miles north from London to somewhere sort of just around where Stu is, give or take. And it's still seen as one of the most disgraceful things that's ever happened in British, UK, European sport. For, for But look, we don't have franchise sport here. And as a result, I think our passion for rivalry is probably more serious than it is in America because there isn't this fear that our owner can just pick us up and move us somewhere. So we don't have that sort of, well, you know, we're kind of listed listed buildings within our within where we are, and you know, London's got seven or eight teams, and you love your one, and you utterly despise all of the others, and the rivalry for us is everything. And look, I'm sure that there'll be fans in America who, quite rightly, will probably just slap me down for everything that I'll think about what what's happened here. But it seems to me that the desperation to be seen as a have and not a have not in inverted commas, which is just about money that goes to someone else's wallet, has has taken precedence over decades of history that you that will never come back. Like that is gone. And you basically become a splinter cell of an operation that like when when the Super League was going to happen, one of the big reasons is or you know if the Saudi Arabian teams join the Champions League, it doesn't mean anything because there's no history. And everything you, the Super Bowl means something because it's been going for 70 years. Um, mm-hmm. This new Big Ten is not going to mean anything to Washington, really, because it's going to be one years old and it's going to take decades to build up. And I just don't understand why people have dispensed so willingly with their history. Yeah. So what you described about rivalries, that's how college sports are supposed to be in the United States. Like our professional teams don't have that same degree of rivalry usually. It can happen. The Red Sox and Yankees, they have it. But the Seahawks are a good example, right? Like the Seahawks had this white hot rivalry with the Rams from like 2003 to 2006. And then it was with the 49ers when Pete Carroll. But it goes in phases in, in, in pro sports in a way that's different than, than, than it is in, in English soccer. But colleges, like that, that's where it's supposed to be. Like that's because you don't change your college allegiance. I will always hate the University of Oregon and I will always annoyingly view Washington State as more of a little brother than a true rival, which will absolutely infuriate them. And that's the giving up of that part. That's the part. I know why it happened. I don't know why more people aren't as furious or furious enough to stop it from happening because why it happened is well the tv networks have this huge pot of money and they're 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 like basically sitting there saying you know if you could add this tv market to your college football conference we would be able to give you 300 million more dollars over the course of this thing and so then that money then gets that, that's that's how they lured USC and UCLA away it was we're going to we're going to pay you twice as much as what you would probably get if you stay in the Pac-12. And so they bailed. And what I don't get is why people, and there is a corner of fans, and I'm not even going to say that they're bad fans because they're passionate, but they, they just want something totally different, who are actually excited about this, like who are actually applauding it. And I don't, I don't get it at all. Like I completely don't understand it. I don't understand why you want to have your team's games 
increasingly determined the start time, six, 14 days ahead of time. You're playing more games at night, which are difficult to get to. Like all of these different things that go along it. But people, oh, they're going to talk about us on TV or we're going to be in the conference that matters. And I, I don't get it. I, I don't get why that is more appealing than maintaining the continuity and history of the University of Washington always struggles to play well in the desert when they go to play U of A and ASU. It always happens. It doesn't matter when it is. And now that doesn't matter anymore. Now I'm going to have to figure out, like, do they struggle to play at Minnesota at 10 a.m.? I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the Apple Cup as well, obviously, is traditionally the last game of the regular season. Yeah. It's always on this Thanksgiving or just after Thanksgiving. And I keep hearing on the radio, well, you know, they'll play it around Labor Day, it'll be the first game of the season, it'll be nice. But there must be tens of thousands of families in the state of Washington whose entire festival period is kicked off with that game. And I just don't think enough respect has been given to that. Just destroying of history. I I, I, I cannot get my head around well, I can get my head around it because it's 2023 and money rules everything and the ability for generally men to destroy everything good about sport is unmatched at this stage but i just i can't get my head around it now i've tried to sort of hold up i hope washington state wants to play the game like there's a little bit of me that feels a if washington state came back and said forget you guys we're not playing you anymore like you left us to rot we're not we're not going to play that game with you i we don't have any room to object. Washington fans can't get pissy about that. They can't say anything. I think the reality is it's probably a financially lucrative enough opportunity for Washington State that at some point they're they're going to want to play that game, even if it's not at first. And but you're you're right about that. Is is the Apple Cup still the the that Thanksgiving weekend game? It's probably Oregon. But you're going to depend on the Big Ten at that point. Oregon becomes our conference rival. There's no question about that. But that rivalry has already been white hot. Like that's that's the team I truly loathe. Like that's so that that works out okay. But yeah, you're when you when you play Oregon is going to be predicated by the Big Ten, and then yeah, Washington State becomes an. It's going to feel different. They're not going to be in the same conference. I, it's going to make it way more satisfying for them when they win. Um, and you could see the dynamic of the rivalry change because of that, but that it sucks what happened to Washington state. And for as much as people have talked about how Washington needed to make this move, an argument that I understand from a financial standpoint, even if I, I don't completely agree with it. I understand it. I can't say it's the wrong decision because they like there are financial commitments they've made and this provides more certainty in in going forward. There's a lot of different things that go into that. I I still think that the benefits of going to the Big 10 are being overstated even given the financial sort of sort of difference. But the the thing that I can't get over is that there is no doubt this is going to hurt Washington state more than it's going to help Washington. Like the, the, the net change here, what this does to Washington State, because Washington State, especially if Cal and Stanford find somewhere else, if it's just Washington State and Oregon State that are kind of left without chairs, 
they're going to become essentially Mountain West teams. And the the gap between that and what the Pac-12 was is enormous. Mm. But it's but it's what it's also what it's going to change for Washington, isn't it? Because I mean, recruit they're still recruiting against the same teams, even with the Big Ten label. They're still facing the same uphill if Alabama need to lose five games to Washington to get above them. That, that nothing on that side of it has changed, really, is it? Probably not. The first few years of this of this media rights deal, they're still going to be at a pretty extreme financial disadvantage. They're basically getting a half share and it'll go up incrementally and they've got room to borrow some money. I think that'll be the question of, do they start losing coaches? Do, do Are they able to hold on to coaches in, in the interim? And specifically now you had their athletic director who's going to USC and exactly what that would mean how long the, the football coach she hired stays at Washington. I think it's a good fit for him, but he looks really, really capable. Does it become, are they going to be able to keep him if he is as good as he looks? I, I hope so. That's that's where the biggest thing is going to be, is can Washington kind of hold its current place as a regularly ranked sort of upper half of the Big Ten team even as its resources are going to be smaller these first few years in the Big Ten than even the worst Big Ten teams that Northwestern and Rutgers and Maryland are going to be getting all of like they're going to be getting essentially twice the media money that Washington's going to get at least to start this deal. Is the general thing, you know, if you you flip one domino that goes to a bigger one to a bigger one to a bigger one, like is the ultimate thing that you know, Washington fans want to win the national championship, or is it a case of you know worrying about players that are local going to bigger and better teams? Because it strikes me that one of the big things that annoys people is that recruits leave Washington to go to other schools that are perhaps more likely to to win. You know, they lost quite a few players to Ohio State recently, and mm-hmm. I just don't know like how much people are going to really care about that in a few years' time if that keeps happening anywhere. Like a UCF fans, for example. Do they not enjoy their college sport as much because they maybe don't have all the best players? Like, if Tottenham didn't have all the best players in the league, but they were still winning every week, like that's fine. That, you know, if they were in a different division and winning every week, and I could go to football with my mates and have a good time, and they won on Saturday, and we could talk about it from Sunday through Friday, and they won again on Saturday, I'm okay with that. Now, again, I'm I'm talking quite utopian when it comes to how how sport works now, but what's what do people think they're going to achieve from this in the long run? The, and I would say this is the hope that most friends express, the ones that are most enthusiastic about the move to the Big Ten, tend to see Washington as not the best program in, in what was the Pac-12, but very clearly in the competition to be the second best over, over history. The USC is in football clearly the 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 heavyweight the the power the power program and that but the one school that's had it going as hot as anyone was washington under don james sort of early 90s late 80s and that while oregon has recently vaulted washington that that washington is kind of your next rung down and closer to usc than people really think 
So the hope is that they're going to be able to sustain that in the Big Ten. And by doing that, they're going to be up there in that top four or five programs, along with Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State and USC. And they're not going to be on par with those programs, but they're going to be more competitive than a lot of people think. I hope that's true. I don't know if it will be. And the fear that I have is that if it's not, what happens? Do you become like Nebraska is in the Big Ten, which is they've kind of lost their regional identity. They're in a conference where they don't fit culturally. They were the program that wanted to play with all of the as COVID in the early, that first year of COVID and nobody else in the conference really did. They were making a big stink about it. West Virginia is another program that's kind of bounced around and they're now in the big 12, which doesn't really make any sense. Like Pittsburgh's their most natural rival and they don't really play Pittsburgh anymore. That That's my fear is that you end up a geographic orphan as kind of a mid table team where the, the, the real heavyweight programs, which are always going to be Michigan, Ohio state, USC. And I'd throw Penn state in there with Penn state has some weird things that go on. And they're, they're not going to look at you all that differently than they look at like Illinois or Iowa. And yet Washington sees itself as clearly a better program than certainly Illinois and, and Iowa. And I, I hope that my doomsday and negative approach or opinion of it doesn't turn out to be true. Because that's kind of what I feel is that you might have just invited yourself to become sort of a small fish in this bigger pond. Instead of sort of holding on to a system where, yeah, your conference took a significant step back. It used to be one of the five best, and now it's clearly not. But at least you got your regional neighbors there, and the, and the game still means something, and you know who you're playing against. Um, yeah, Because yeah, what happens if, sorry, Stu, what happens if when the next media rights deal for the Big Ten comes through and the, you know, the head honchos sit down and say, but you can go back to the Pac-12 if you want, but uh, we're just going to offer you the same and you can like it or go screw. But what happens? Yeah, to- yeah. I'll, I'll throw a different wrinkle in it. I I don't see a scenario where Washington would not get full rights the next time around. I do see a scenario in which the contract that the the big 10 currently has with espn that the next one is not or i'm sorry the big 10 has a contract with with fox the next one is not nearly as lucrative like we may be witnessing what has been long talked about as a potential burst of the sports tv broadcast rights bubble like that that may be underway and that might be part of the reason that the pac-12 is sunk is because over the past 12 months the amount of money that TV networks have to spend on sports rights is it, it it doesn't work for them anymore. They can't keep paying at the same rate they were. And if that happens, you could see a situation where the next round of broadcast rights, some of the conferences start to splinter. It's like, well, if I'm if if we're, our money is going to actually go down, what why are we going to stick in this in this spot? Or my dream is that I because I don't think you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. What we need is a system of relegation. We need to have two conferences that are these two premier conferences, and there needs to be trapdoors. So if you finish in the bottom two, like you, you get you, you get dropped to the next one. Like that's what I would like to see happen. I don't think Americans are ready for that, um, which is weird 
for all of our uh, like all of the the chest thumping that people have about the the social safety net and and all of the different programs like we have a tremendous aversion to having rich people tumble down classes like should happen when they're <laughs> pr proven to be perennially incompetent well, Stu will confirm that forget the fear about relegation because the joy of promotion is the thing that people are missing out on I can't speak for either. Thank God I've never had to experience either of them. But I think what people are scared of relegation, Stu, embrace promotion, no? Uh, yeah, they don't embrace uh, Jonathan Panzo slipping on the injured 19th minute on the Wembley pitch. Because <laughs> that hurt my knee when I fell to him. Um, <laughs> uh, well, but with this with this whole like, conversation, and like, I think it's time for the car to go to ACC. I'm on about letting them and SM, is SMU, the third team, in. That's what they're talking about. Which is the sort of the sort of decision you'd make at like two thirty in the morning when you're just schnockered. <laughs> like, hey, what are we gonna do now? It's like, well, let's call Cal. Yeah. SMU <laughs> makes no sense at all. Do you think because like this is happening like the height of the summer, like everyone's just kind of doom scrolling on uh, Tony Stark's uh, social media platform? And do you think like when games start this weekend, week zero in college football, is it's as it is, and like next week, when the games actually start, and they, or when the, especially when the interconference games come around, you go, oh, what, what, why the hell are we like, what, what, why, why are we doing this for kind of thing? Do you think there's any chance that the conversation changes, or do you like, like you said, the toothpaste is way out of the tube by now? It won't change because there's too much invested by American media companies in the promotion of televised football as product. We're not critical about the decisions that power brokers make. And it's going to be so much attention trained on what they define as the marquee matchups and how exciting it is and what what all is going to happen, that there's no reflection. There's look, the most trafficked website in our country is ESPN.com. And ESPN might feature the SEC more than it does the Big Ten, but it's certainly not going to cast a scrutinizing eye about whether or not the reorganization of college football, the reorganization of college sports based on football exclusively is good for college sports. They just, I don't even know if it's like, and it has to be stated. It's such an implicit bias that we're, they are promotional rather than, than truly analytical. Yeah, that's a good point actually about about football because obviously it's led by football, but the softball teams, the golf teams, they also get tossed up in this sort of flotsam and jetsam, and they end up having to go to Ohio on chart, you know, on normal flights. And it, it, what you know, what's good for the goose in this case is definitely not good for the gander at all, is it? Because it it's going to be a huge difficulty for the student athletes and the most inverted of commas of the sports that aren't getting paid a fortune to to compete yeah i don't i don't pretend to speak for athletes because there may be men's and women's basketball players softball and baseball players who don't mind more travel and think that like okay having a having a, a schedule in which we're regularly flying to the central and even the eastern time zone is okay and that's part of their college experience and they're they're okay with that it doesn't make any sense at all why the sport that has six road games a year 
is determining the travel sort of commitments for teams that play double, triple, and quadruple that number of road games. It 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 makes no sense. There's no way you would design this system from scratch. It is a bizarre, stupid, counterintuitive Frankenstein abomination that's been created because of a series of decisions about how you can squeeze the most dollars possible out of college football. And it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I saw somebody talked about the Big Ten is interested in having Stanford play in the conference in all sports except football. And we're like, yeah, the caliber of competition. And I was like, okay, from a competitive standpoint, I can see that. Why would Stanford's non-football sports have any interest in playing a Big Ten schedule? Like, why are they like, hey, you know what? I'd like to go to Lafayette, Indiana, in Bloomington. I didn't get enough time in Minneapolis this year. It makes no sense at all. But they're like, because everything is so football-centric, we're like, yeah, of course it makes sense. No, it makes no sense at all. Football teams should be completely divorced from the from the rest of the organization of of athletic departments. Yeah, it's 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 been mad to watch from uh, this vantage point because, like, as Adam said, the franchise stuff over here doesn't really wash. Um, yeah, Adam. Yeah, I just keep waiting for like, the next bonkers tweet to come out from you know Bruce Feldman of uh, you know Hawaii and our. Uh, going to have Ohio State on the schedule three times a year on the road like it's I, I can't it, it almost feels like you're in this bit of a Truman show situation and you're kind of patting the walls and seeing where the end of the set is because it's it's insane how this has been allowed to happen and I know you mentioned um in your article Danny that was great and it's well worth people checking out that when the Super League happened here it was fans of the clubs that were going to be involved in the Super League that took to the streets and protested. It wasn't the Washington State equivalent. It was the Washington equivalent fans were outside every stadium wishing all sorts of bad things to their owners to get this thing stopped, and they did. And I think the biggest thing that upsets me is that Washington and Oregon should have felt that they were tethered to their state rival. And that's the one thing I I cannot get my head around because for me, the, the... Everything about the sport is your local rival, and 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 for them to dispense with them so easily, I, I and again, I know that I'm speaking way too romantically for 2023 sport, but what's the point? Like, sport is meant to be for us to watch. That that's why it exists. Yeah, you were the one that mentioned the Super League, and I wish I had I'd brought like the fact that you had sort of broached that subject in in the article because there is a really good lesson there in which you say the fans of those six premier league teams that were going to be the what they call it the founding members or like they were going to be the perennial entrance in this Mm -hmm. partially closed league we're like no we don't want to do that we don't want to cordon ourselves off from the other like we don't want to ruin the champions league by committing to this thing that's going to basically give us uh an annual seat at the table and the broadcast money that comes with it because it's not right. And none of the fans or not enough of the fans of the programs who have triggered this reorganization have been willing to do that or able to even see what's going on. And I think for me, one of the parts that's most maddening is the 
there's an ideological inconsistency between how the schools are behaving towards their own economic opportunities and how they talk about players. Because this is still a situation. The players are not considered workers. They're not given wages. They're now given the opportunity to market themselves. They're basically not forbidden from making money off of their own marketability, but they're not paid for what they do. And yet you have a school like Florida State whose athletic director is standing up at a meeting at the ACC and saying, basically, no, he's not even basically, he's saying we're worth more than pretty much every other ACC school because of what we and Clemson bring in in terms of our football. So we need to get more than North Carolina State and North Carolina. And without ever pausing to say like, wait, but you refuse to pay, pay players their market wage. Like you refuse to even consider that idea. <laughs> Yet you're feeling like, look, it's just the rules of economics and you have to understand it when it comes to you. And that that hypocrisy is so just gross in which it, it makes it really it makes it really hard. I love college football. It's the one thing I've saved like as a true, like unadulterated, unabridged fan. And that's the sort of thing where it makes it like it it's 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 hard to really take any of this passionately when they're that just brazenly or willfully stupid. I, I don't even know. Like it's just it it's it's hard to it's hard to put into words how gallingly the galling lack of self-awareness that they're exhibiting through their actions. Yeah. It's just it's all this is a different level for me, obviously, but it's it's all it's just another like questioning of fandom, like why like why bother? Maybe it's a bit dramatic, but like I'm thirty-five and my favorite football player for my football club probably ever left two weeks ago. And it's like I'm thirty-five, I shouldn't have a favorite footballer, but like the fandom kind of like changes the order you get. Adams had similar with his football team and but I don't I've been I don't, don't want a, a month. But like but like like with th- we're like grow- we're growing adults, but like the fandom is changing for everything. It's changing for the Seahawks, which is having a Seahawks party is probably gonna make things awkward when the season starts, but never mind. But like fandom <laughs> is like changing and it's 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 just it's the complete um cast off of some people's fandom because even the fans aren't going to travel across the country to watch Rutgers and Greg Schiano go against Kalen DeBoer's squad. They're just they're just not going to. So it's just it's just a complete castaway casting off of a fan base. I, I couldn't say the word fandom again, but I just did. But never mind. No, I think that's possible. I'll be interested to see how my feelings change as it goes forward. Um, I will say. When you were talking about like being 35 and losing it. I think that's the sort of stuff that makes you still feel alive. Like I remember very <laughs> I, I remember very clearly. I've got is one of my best friends from from high school. His name's Davey Bamford. Um and I'm older. I'm in my late 40s now. Uh I remember I watched the Magic Johnson when he announced he had HIV. I remember watching that in Davey Bamford's bedroom. We both had poison oak, like running through like we had slid through poison oak the night before running away from some people because it was halloween there and so we had our hands in buckets of seawater we lived i lived in a little coastal town in california to try and dry out these weeping poison oak wounds as we as we watched that 
I talked to Davey. It was the year that the Angels beat the Giants in the World Series. Davey's a huge Giants fan. And I talked to him. And so at this point, I think that's 2006, 2005, 2006. Um, so he's early. No, so he's like early 30s. And I asked how he was doing. And he goes, like, honestly, it's like I've been kind of depressed. The Giants had a lead in game six. He was like, I had the champagne out was in ice <laughs> like i was i was getting ready to celebrate they blew the game scott spezio hit this home run and then they ended up losing game seven and losing in the series and he's like i legitimately like been bummed and i've always thought like that is an example of what it means to be a fan and that that pain is what makes sort of the joy that you experience and the giants have gone on they've won three world series since then but like when they lost that, they'd never won a World Series since they moved to San Francisco. Um, and that's sort of, I think, being irrationally <laughs> moved by by the events of of your favorite team. Like, I do think that that's part of the the joy and the pain of life. Yeah, so so in, in May, Coventry lost uh, a Premier League final to get back into the Premier League after 22 years out of it, and we lost the penalty shootout. We left the ground. We sat on a coach two hours in the car park because Wembley is a terrible, terrible yeah. place to visit. Um, turned the, around, come back onto the motorway, and <laughs> two and a half hours after the game, the Wembley arch was lit up in the colour of the team that beat us, and that was just, okay, I just want to go home now. But it was, my mate's like, I guess, the fucking arch is fucking orange, is what he <laughs> said. And it was just... <laughs> And it was just like we, I, I barely saw my mates for like six weeks, like the social side of it, just because it just, we all had like, yeah, I just need to deal with it differently. But that arch being lit orange is gonna, yeah. Well, it's those are the sort of the moments of it's not the, it's not the same thing because it's not a promotion to the Premier League. Yeah. When Washington lost to Oregon last year or two years ago, they lost in this horrible, asinine coaching decision. They needed to go forward on fourth down late. And they decided not to because the coach who who was that was his last game as head coach, he he didn't want to give them give up another touchdown. So he decided we're going to punt instead of going for it like we should because I think at least if I punt, they won't score another touchdown on us. It'll look better. And when they went to punt, I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like you're going to. <laughs> granted, there is no chance that you're going to go down and score a touchdown, but like there is a fractional like, and you're going to say no. My pride is worth more than whatever chance we have. And as they go back to punt and the snap sails over the punter's head, just <laughs> rockets right into it. And I was like, good, you, we deserve that. Like we deserve that. And usually like, I'm really angry at Oregon fans. I don't like Oregon fans, especially when it's in, in, in Seattle. And like that one, living out, I was just so full of self-loathing. I went from the stadium to take a red eye flight back. I was living in, in New York then to take a red eye flight back. And the whole way I was just like, I deserve this pain. Like I absolutely <laughs> like this is warranted. I can't believe we're so stupid. And that I, so I was, I'm still mad about it. Like, it, it, but it was like, you deserve that. We deserved that humiliation. Yeah. Just to bring it all the way back. I know Danny, you need to leave. So it's the, the last thing I'll say on it. Like Stu was really upset because Coventry didn't qualify for the biggest competition that's been, you know, the top division for the last hundred years, you were annoyed because Washington didn't win the annual game against Oregon the last weekend of, of October. Like there's 
historical context to these games. Like your friend was upset that the Giants didn't win the World Series that had been around for a hundred years. No one gives a fuck about like this hybrid, you know, if there's a new, you know, like KFC Kentucky Bowl that is now the new championship, no one's going to care. And I really think that's the biggest thing that we need to worry about, that when you lose historical context of these great sporting things, the whole thing goes. Yeah. Like I'm still I'm still sad that the Big Ten champ doesn't play the Pac-12 champ in yeah. the Rose Bowl. Like that's, I don't care about a playoff. I could give a rip about a playoff. Yeah. Like I would have in a in a in a heartbeat said forever. Pac ten, Pac twelve champ plays the Big Ten champ, and I'd be fine. And it's it's gone. But I, I would agree with you. Like eliminating that historical context is a huge problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously you're pressed for time, Danny. Um, one quick thing: how you keep up with leads in the championship? Are you still? I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it's gonna so my brother is more of a Leeds fan than I am. Like he's fully committed. Yeah. Um I would consider myself still more like I'm I'm dallying. I don't <laughs> I'm not I'm not fully I like the fact that they have a reputation for being dirty. I don't like the fact that they're owned by the 49ers. I enjoyed how ridiculous their American manager was last oh, year. Just the worst. <laughs> And I liked how all of the English fans, the Leeds fans, turned on the American players. Like I thought <laughs> that was really funny. And now Tyler Adams is gone. Um, he, he left. The so the answer is yes. I'm keeping up with it. Um, is there a song that like about Leeds is falling apart? Leeds is falling apart again. Like there's some sort of like that. I've I've the, I've yeah, started. It'll be yeah. to the tune of um, "Love Will Tear Us Apart Again." Yeah. <laughs> so i enjoy like i've started to see the humor in that <laughs> there you go yeah you, yeah yeah, you, yeah you're a football fan you're a, you're a football league fan yeah you've so, got it the, the, yeah the, the gallows humor is what gets you through the the trips yeah. to Wim, wimbledon uh on I, a wednesday night i will admit though that tottenham was really fun to watch I know, but don't say it too loudly, Danny. Don't say it too <laughs> no. loudly. No, because it, it could all go to hell in a handcart very quickly. If there's, if there's one thing I know, there's nothing more dangerous than Spurs playing well, because that's when it can all change. <laughs> so, uh, that's when it can all change. So shout out uh, fellow podcast guest Joe Fan, who brought up emotional hedging a few years ago. And the entire Coventry City Twitter fan base did that last Friday. Because the player who left played made his debut in the Premier League and everyone I follow who's a Coventry fan had him to score and get booked and he scored and got booked so Coventry fans made a lot of money off our boy I had last Friday so <laughs> it was quite fun to watch watch that but there yeah fan, fandom's very strange uh, where can people catch all your all your uh, stuff and writings and the best place is the the dang apostrophe. It's a Substack. It's a newsletter um, that I run. I also appear on Mitch Unfiltered each week on one of his patron episodes. Um, and then I do have a University of Washington podcast along with Christian Capel called uh, Say Who Say Pod. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. Always appreciate you jumping on and uh, uh, cramped time you had on on this Thursday evening. But yeah, appreciate your point of view. Especially on something like me and Adam are so like geographically geographically detached from, but you know, nevertheless, maybe Spurs will join the Big Ten next year. Maybe that will be it could happen. <laughs> maybe that will happen. I mean, it could be worse. It could be it could be what's happening to golf in the next six seven months with 
But yeah, all the usual means and methods, pop uh, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, the Pedestrian Podcast. Uh, enjoy wh- wherever you're watching week three, I think, a preseason. Uh, yeah, until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Oh.